And now, our feature presentation. I like it spooky. Hey everybody, welcome to I Like Spooky Horror Podcast. I'm Brian. I am Clint, and this is a special Valentine's Day episode. We are joined here in the Spooky Studio by, what do we call you, colleague, Spooky Girl? We are joined by Leah Stalker of Pure Macabre and Indie Spotlight, and we're going to talk about Valentine's Day stuff. I think you would just say I'm part of the spooky verse. That's what I tend to refer to all of us as, part of the spooky verse. <laughs> okay. But I'm very excited to be here, especially for the Valentine's episode. I love that. Right. And Valentine's episode, horror movies. What the hell are we going to talk about? Anybody who knows me, what Josh Perlmutter of Bootleg as Fuck Toys says, Clint bleeds my bloody Valentine. So we are going to talk all things my bloody Valentine. I'm so excited. We saved that especially for you. You know that. Especially for me? Yeah. I'm really stoked. If anyone who listens to the Indie Spotlight knows, I'm, I've am i always been a spooky girl, but I'm a little bit newer to the horror movies. And My Bloody Valentine is one that always really got my attention, but I never watched it. And then when I found out that there was a fan film, that is actually what pushed me into wanting to see it. And then when I mentioned that to Clinton Bryan, they were like, hold up, that's an episode right there. That's an episode in itself. That's a special. We've had this planned actually for a hot minute now. We talked about this a while ago. Well, Leah, you know what's funny is when we first met and we all came together and kind of formed what we're doing, you know, you had told us, I haven't really watched a lot of horror movies. I'm a part of that universe, but I just haven't watched a lot of horror movies. And yeah, My Bloody Valentine and the fan film and the remake all came up. And you're like, I've never seen those. And then so Brian and I quietly had conversations like, I don't know if we should associate with her anymore. I mean, I don't really know. <laughs> It's okay. I ask myself the same thing every day. I don't know if I should associate with her. That girl's weird. <laughs> We're not weird enough in this case. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> One little side note, and I'm sure that if you, you've listened to our episodes before, you've heard me tell the story. But if you're new, you haven't heard the story. Another reason that My Bloody Valentine is so special to me in this show is if it wasn't for Valentine Bluffs, a fan film, that is what brought Brian and myself and our former co-host Jason together, Brian and I backed the fan film and it was my first time going to East Moline for Midwest Monster Fest. Jason lives right down the road. Brian lives near nearby. And I put in a group chat like, hey, I don't know anybody. It, it was a group chat for the fan film. Is anybody from the fan film going to be there? And Brian happened to be one of them. And here we all are. I love that. Bloody Valentine is like hardcore a part of your lore that's amazing love is in the air when i think jason walked up to your table first we'd been by a couple times and finally stopped to talk i don't remember how it went but then i came over and started talking to you and it's like yeah you're your client i you backed the valentine bluffs film i backed the valentine bluffs film because it's another one of those like you said it's one of my favorite horror movies it's either that or return of living dead it kind of like they're one a and one b I mean, this is it for me. I mean, if we're rating movies, this is it. This is the top of my Mount Rushmore of horror movies. Yeah, and back to the where when we met again on the Valentine Bluffs fan film chat, you know, I reached out and said, "Is anybody going to be there?" And yeah, Brian, you and Jason reached out, and our friend Brent Edgett, who was there working with Darcy DeMoss from Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Uh, reached out. And so, you know, I got to meet all these awesome people who I now call friends and associate with and talk to pretty regularly just because of that fan film, because of where we're going to start. 
and Brian just like perfectly teed it off, the original, the OG 1981, My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> Once upon a time, on a sad valentine, in a place known as Hanigar Mine, a legend began, every woman and man would always remember the time. And those who remained were never the same. You could see the fear in their eyes. Once every year, as the 14th draws near, there's a hush all over the town. For the legend they say on a Valentine's Day is a curse that'll live on and on. And no one will know as the years come and go. Of the horror from long time ago. You excited, Leah? She's so excited. She can't even speak. Right. <laughs> so 1981, filmed in Canada. It's a Canadian film. Oh, I didn't realize it was Canadian. Okay. Yeah. You didn't? No. You couldn't tell by their accents? <laughs> no, I don't I don't hear anyone's accents. I get popped all the time for having an accent, and I I can't understand anyone else's accent. I don't pick them out. So no, I didn't I didn't realize it was Canadian, but I always love that a little bit more for some reason. Well that and us Americans always point out that Canadians have the beady little eyes like in South Park. Blame Canada, blame Canada. And the Canada. flappy heads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like the more I watch it, though, the less I notice the accent. And maybe that's just I'm paying attention to the movie. But I also notice I put enough time between each viewing that I forget who the killer is every time. I knew it's I know it's one of two people, but I forget which one it is every time. And I was lucky enough to watch this last year at the Capitol Theater in Burlington. You know, the big screen. Tiffany and I went for a Valentine's Day special that they had a showing there and they showed the director's cut, which I'd never seen before that point. And it's kind of hard to find. It's not streaming. It's kind of stashed away, maybe, Clint, on one of the Scream Factory or Shout Factory or one of those. The director's cut was released, but for some reason, it's still kind of shrouded in mystery. It's not uh, readily available. And it contains roughly, I think it's nine minutes, I believe, of, um, you know, cut footage, which a lot of it was gore. Like, for example, there was a scene, and actually this scene isn't in the director's cut. It was paid homage to in the Valentine Bluffs fan film, but it's where the minor jams a giant drill bit through two lovers. I forget which characters it was without looking at it, you know, through the back, much like they did in uh, the Valentine Bluffs fan film with our friend Roland and uh, the actress Penelope. It's, it's so weird that that scene was cut because around the same time as when Friday the third, well, the same year as when Friday the 13th part two came out and you had the scene in that movie where Jason jams that spear through the two lovers in bed, you know, and just goes right through them and right through the bed. That was one of my favorite deaths in the fan film. So I'm surprised that they would have cut that from the original, but I'm glad that it was at least paid homage to because I completely put that in my notes and noted that one. It was just like, that was the thing is that for him being a minor and him having a pickaxe, the deaths were all very creative and very varied, very varied, very varied, <laughs> but very varied, but they were extremely varied. And that's one of the things that I really liked is that it would have been so easy to just fall into like, okay, he gets him with the axe. He gets him with, no, it bounced around a lot. You never knew how it was going to happen. So I really enjoyed that part of it. No, well, and the beauty of it too is the creativity of the kills. They all still fit the character or the the uh, environment. It wasn't, you know, 
he didn't grab garden shears or something. It wasn't some wonky out of the left field. Another thing about the uh, the cut scenes is I learned something new all the time, and this was from the Internet Movie Database, but it says that the MPAA cut more than five minutes out of the film before it came out, mostly because the movie was released shortly after John Lennon died, and there was a major backlash against violent movies, which I never knew that. If that is true, it's a little weird because there were a lot of uber-violent slasher flicks, trauma flicks, direct-to-video horror films that came out around that time. I kind of feel like this is on a different level, though, maybe than a trauma flick or a Friday 13th film because it's even if you leave in the gore, it's more artistic, it's more well done, it's more thoughtful than those movies. You know, Friday 13th, maybe even the second one is just a slasher. To me, My Bloody Valentine is not just a slasher. I always preach story that is, you know, like we've talked before that Brian, he likes to have fun with movies. You know, that's kind of what he looks for. Leo apparently looks for Lovecraftian slow burns. What? I'm not digging at you. That's what you like. No, no, it's completely accurate. And um, I'm very story driven. And My Bloody Valentine has a strong story, a strong mythology. Since the story is so strong, I think that leads to Brian, what you said, where you forget who the killer is each time. Because the setup and the acting is so well done that it's easy to forget and get lost into the story. And then you're like, oh shit, it's that person, not this person or whatever. Kind of like the last episode where we talked about screenplay. That movie is so good to me that I completely forgot who the killer was. And then I got to relive that twist ending all over again. And I was just a giddy little schoolboy. So if you've never seen My Bloody Valentine, should we do like a synopsis or just a what I think it's about or what we think it's about? I want to put Leah on the spot. I want to hear her synopsis. You want to hear my synopsis of it? Okay. 20 years ago, there was a mining accident, I think that it was. So we're starting in the mines. But pretty much where you're picking up... Oh, wait. Uh, No, wait. Okay. Fuck. Cut that up. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're leaving that in there. (laughs) Pretty much where the movie picks up is the fact that it is the first Valentine's dance in 20 years. That is the main thing is that there was a big tragedy, a lot of murder that happened 20 years ago on Valentine's Day. Now they're like, Harry Warden's dead. That was the guy that they're like, he's the one who did it. And so they're going balls to the wall with it. And obviously, if you disregard the past, you're going to repeat it. And so then murder by a hot mass miner. Yay. (laughs) I don't know about you, Brian, but I think Leah should write synopsis for Amazon. And all of them will end with yay. I'm not a synopsis girl. I don't, I'm, this is not my forte. <laughs> I got the spirit though. No, because then I got confused with synopsis and I wanted to automatically get into like, this is exactly what happened because my first note is two seconds into the movie and this is a win because it was two miners going down into the mines and then automatically titties. <laughs> And also, just to kind of touch back on what you said of what we all look for in movies, I will say that Love Me a Slow Burn, I've, I have mentioned that before, but my thing also is the aesthetic. I love the aesthetic of movies, and the thing that I noted in here is just, okay, so I, I keep putting in my notes that I like the vintage look, but I know that back in, the, in 81, it wasn't vintage. It was all very modern, more than likely. That's one of the things that I did really like about this movie is just the look of it straight off the bat was 
just complete fire. Everything that they did, I I really enjoy that. That is one of the things that I look for in movies is how it looks, how it's presented. And I want to give absolute shout outs to any of the actors in any of these movies who played the minor because all of them were so good at giving that energy and acting. When your entire face is covered, your body is covered, you're you're just completely head to toe. No one can see you. And the acting, oh, it was so good. Just eat it up. I loved it. It takes a lot. And actually, our friend Chuck Ryan, who plays the minor in the fan film, who got direction from Peter Cowper, who plays the minor in the original. John, the floor. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. It's not just putting on a suit and walking around looking menacing. There's subtle movements and things like that. And then actually talking with Chuck a lot, you know, he put thought into the character. And I don't want to give too much away if you haven't seen Valentine Bluffs, the fan film. But he knew, I'm going to give spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Go watch Valentine Bluffs, the fan film before you listen to this next part. Chuck told me that he knew that he was that he was not playing Harry Warden. He was playing a killer mimicking Harry Warden. So he tried to do things, just little subtle movements. So you would, as a fan, be able to capture the character and fall in love with it, but just realize that it was different. And then, of course, at the end of Valentine Bluffs, spoiler alert, don't listen to this if you want to see the movie first, you find out that Axel is still alive. And so he actually was going to change his movements to portray that. You know, Axel's aging. He's you know injured from the uh, from the end of the original My Bloody Valentine because the remake is awesome, but it really doesn't fit in with the storyline. It's a remake, not a reboot. But yeah, to, to go along with what you say, and I believe Peter Cowper, I could be wrong, but I think had some sort of dance background also. So he was trained in poignant movements, you know, and stuff like that. Is that the original minor? The original minor, yeah. Gotcha, my bad. Yeah, names sometimes elude me. I, I could 100% see that just because it was also very subtle, but it made me completely obsessed. That, Like I said, this is my new hyper focus, just so we're all aware. I'm completely on board, <laughs> if that wasn't obvious. Little little side story about the aesthetic and everything is when the town where they shot the original in 81 found out that a movie was going to be made there and they were going to be using the mine, the town went through and like repainted the mine and cleaned everything up. And the filmmakers are like, no, no, no. So they had to go through and like undo all that work. Appreciative, I'm sure that they were accepted, but they're like, no, you just, you just fucked everything up. So I actually, okay. So part of my hyper focus is that last night I went on to TikTok and I was looking up thirst traps of the minor um <laughs> which there are a lot just so we're all aware i kind of hesitated but i'm probably going to send you guys a bunch of them in the group chat just so that you can check them out and enjoy but one of the tiktoks did say it was something along the lines of like fifty thousand dollars was spent to clean up the mines and then i think that they had to spend like seventy five thousand dollars to dirty it back up and i didn't know if that was real i kind of disregarded it at first because i was like especially thinking in 81 like math that's a lot of money so i didn't know if that was true so to find out that that's true that's wild <laughs> Well, and that contributed to the budget, Brian. I'm sure you looked this up, but the uh, the film, the original 1981 film, had a 2.3 million dollar budget, and of course, the worldwide gross is just under six million. So, unfortunately, it's not and wasn't financially. It wasn't a loss, but it just wasn't that that Friday the 13th that Paramount was looking for. But Brian, you said something earlier that I this is where I think My Bloody Valentine, where it lives, is um, it's like the king of like underrated movies because it was made and presented as the next big you know budget blockbuster it existed or it exists in the world of 
obscure, almost indie kind of horror films. It's like the leader of the geeks. I feel like, and I was watching My Bloody Valentine, the original. I watched the remake. I'm sitting there and I'm like, so Eli Roth, who just made Thanksgiving, <laughs> that made tons of fucking money, watched My Bloody Valentine and made a movie F. A lot of what's in My Bloody Valentine is in Thanksgiving. And if you spend from 81 to now 40 years watching films, horror films, slasher films especially, My Bloody Valentine bleeds into almost every single one. It does. So yeah, it wasn't s- successful. It made money. It never, it got the reboot. It never really got, or it got a fan film. It's never got a real Hollywood sequel. And I'm not sure how and or why, like what? It was all numbers. So in 2001, the director of the original, George Mahalka, he approached Paramount in, in 2001 with a, a sequel idea, but they passed on it due to the poor box office of the original. And my other thought was, I back then it was Jason, it was Michael, it was Freddy. Every killer was the same in every movie, you know. So was that too much for anyone? Even in two thousand, were they like, well, who's going to be the killer? What are we going to do? Like, that's the other part about this film that I think resonates. And I grew up a kind of you know poor middle class working family in the, in that you know poor middle class working neighborhood. So I could relate to all those guys from the mine getting out of work on Friday and going to the bar and just doing. You know what I mean? Like that was where I. I grew up. I almost wonder if it didn't catch on because, which it blows my mind because it's more relatable, but the killer is that dude that you work with that snaps. He's not some burnt mythical, you know, dream stalker. He's not some mutant boy in the woods. He's, you know, all the things that, you know, the icons of today. And you would think that would make it more relatable and would have had a more mass appeal as, oh shit, that's fucking Brian who snapped the other day and now he's you know dressing up and killing everybody. Totally random name, but Brian snaps. So <laughs> I'll just bring the outside perspective as someone who was aware of My Bloody Valentine, was always kind of curious about it, but just now watched it, is the major defining factor of why is because I just didn't realize. I didn't realize how how good it was going to be. You just kind of think that, oh, it's just going to be another slasher. Kind, I, I Unfortunately, I kind of wrote it off and I'm really upset that I did that and I put it off for so long and I do think that if more people these days did give it a chance I do think that this would be wildly popular and we always joke about the uh, I well I always joke and you guys just listen to me but I always joke about like the masked men of TikTok and you know masked talk this that and the other not saying that we want it for romantic values or anything like that the mask thing is just it's so dang cool and it's mysterious and it can be anyone and it's it's very awesome and I just think if more people saw this film, I do think that they would be really into it. So I feel bad because now I'm kind of like jumping on board at the end of, you know, you guys have been with it for years being like, please just give us anything, just a taste. But now I really want something else. I want a sequel. I want a remake. I want to reboot anything. I'll I'll take it. I'll take the crumbs. But I do think it would do so well if people just knew. That's it. I just didn't know. I think it's going to, and I've talked with uh, Tom Smith, the director of the fan film, many times. And I told him, I said, because that was an original script from him, I, which I found out I think was very similar to George Mahalka's story of a sequel, different but similar. 
which I mean, that some things are going to be similar. It's 40 years later, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, I told Tom Smith multiple times, I said, I think that that fan film and what he did and what him and Chuck and Roland and all those people involved in that movie did was kind of help light a fire to continue that torch because you have seen a boom over the last year of merchandise from low air, low end people like inkmirrors.com, like myself with this t-shirt I'm wearing, you know, gutter garbs just the other day put out a sign. It's a like a 10 metal sign and it's the Valentine Bluff sign. Uh, Chuck Ryan makes replica signs that go perfect with the NECA action figures. Um, I could go on uh, what Fright Rags does, trading cards. I'll, I'll send you a picture, Leah, of my My Bloody Valentine wall. And most of that stuff is new. And so I think that the fan film, unlike the remake, because the remake I thought was decent, but it didn't seem to light that fire. It was kind of a cash grab, and then everybody forgot about it again. But this, the fan film really seems to be helping the ball roll to give us some more. I'm completely feral for any of the merchandise. I will admit that I went instantly uh, this morning while I was getting all my notes together, finalizing things. I was on Ink Mares looking at your t-shirts because I was like, if anyone's going to have good Bloody Valentine stuff, it's going to be Ink Mares. I've been looking at the vinyl and it's gorgeous. The terror tune little action figures. So I absolutely want any of it. Uh, the other thing that I wonder if was, was kind of working against the remake was that, spoiler, that Jensen Ackles was in it and he is so ingrained in the uh, supernatural world. I do think that sometimes it's hard for the fangirlies to see him in any other role and not imagine that. So I don't know if that maybe if it wasn't a Jensen Ackles thing, maybe it would have helped a little bit. Maybe that did help. I don't know. But I just think that he was so much part of that world that it was hard to then have him be part of the My Bloody Valentine movie because it was kind of hard. I, I loved the remake. I loved the 09 version. But every time I looked at it, I saw Dean Winchester, which is enjoyable. But I, I wish that it I almost wish it didn't have him attached to it just so that I wasn't taken out of it waiting for him to just scream, Sammy! <laughs> right. I wondered if the angle from that was to pull that younger generation in. I remember showing a friend of mine's kid that movie. And she was like, oh, that's my that's my guy from Supernatural, you know? And so I wonder if that, so she kind of like right then and there was, because it, it was like, you're making me watch this, you know? And then, oh, okay. And then, so there was some level of interest. And so I wondered if that's what they were trying to do. It got me. It did pull me into it. It just then also in the same breath pulled me out, unfortunately. Because if you haven't seen the 2009 version of My Bloody Valentine, spoiler, Jensen is the killer. So how do you... How do you make this group of people that you're like, oh, I love him. He's great. He's a hero. He's all these things. And then you say, but he's not in this movie. He's the killer. He's the one that is. I mean, I guess he's not. He's bad because he's killing people. But the reason he's doing it is because he's having a freaking mental breakdown. How do you transition from he's still good looking? I mean, but yeah, how do you and how do you when he's becoming so popular with Supernatural? Uh, what? what? He's good looking. Uh, okay. <laughs> Wait, what happened? You don't think so? He's very. I am gonna send you. I'm gonna send you thirst traps because they're all mostly about him. And then you, <laughs> you tell me that's not a dope looking dude. Look, hold on. What is a thirst trap? What the fuck is a thirst trap? <laughs> I don't know. I got a coffee over here. <laughs> 
It's so <laughs> it's they're like fan fan film type things where it's little clips of him set to music. Like there's gonna be Lady Gaga music. A little gambling is fun when you're with me. Russian roulette is not the same without a gun. And baby, when it's love, if it's not rough, it isn't fun. And then it has edit- edits of the 09 version because that's the one that they used a lot. Lyrics and things like that. I will I will 100% send them over because you got it. <laughs> Here, let me try it this way. So you know when a girl that is attractive puts a picture on whatever fucking social media they have, the 50 social medias they have, and they okay. like light it perfectly and take the perfect angle and you're like, oh, she's really attractive. But- you know her. It's a trap, like General Akbar. It's a trap. It's a trap. I get it. Okay. Don't do it. It's like that scene in I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker, where he takes the hooker back and then she starts pulling off her wig and her fake leg. And I got it. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah. Trap. I get I it. I literally <laughs> saved like eight, nine, 10, 11. I saved 12 videos last night to my phone. <laughs> of Jensen Ackles? Uh- no, they're he's not in all of them like some of them i think were a little bit older but they're they're it, it's of the minor and then yeah maybe some people leaned towards utilizing him a little bit more that sort of thing like i said I, this is my hyper focus now my wallpaper on my pc has been changed my phone has been changed oh to- <laughs> my <laughs> Her phone wallpaper is My Bloody Valentine now. There we go. <laughs> Hold on. I'm watching I'm watching this thirst trap of Jensen Ackles that Leah just sent me. I'm not even sure which one I sent you. Uh, it's basically just like a trailer of the movie, but it's all him. So you know what? Hey, that's awesome. I'll check it out later. But there are other people involved in that remake, like the great talk about thirst. I don't know about trap. Tom Atkins, the man's man of horror, Tom Atkins is in the remake, which is fantastic. And then also in the remake, who played Harry Warden, is Richard John Walters, who was in Valentine Bluffs, a fan film. And that was the one thing I really enjoyed about the remake, was the beginning of the remake, you get to see Harry Warden go on a fucking murder spree, which you didn't get that in the original, which I don't think it would have fit in the original. But in the remake, that was cool. And you see him in the, the psych ward. Brian was you know in the bunk next to him, and I think he killed Brian. It just killed everybody. It was great. He let me go. I told him I was a fan of My Bloody Valentine. He's like, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That was my thing is I actually had to check the film when I was watching it, the 09 version, because I accidentally thought I skipped ahead a couple chapters because it was just so quick into the action. And I was I was absolutely baffled when you're talking about Harry Warden and who plays is are you talking? Okay, I'm really bad at names. Is that Hopper from Stranger Things? No. no. Okay, it's a different guy. Okay, my bad. But you brought up the word chapters and you were talking about merchandise a little while ago. So I also want to let you know, if you did not know, that last year there's a My Bloody Valentine novel that came out. So I have it. It's autographed by George Mahalka and the author, who I'm going to screw up his last name, but it's Armando Munoz. I think I'm pronouncing that correct. Um, and that was really cool because if you jumped on when it first became available from the board game that was available from Stop to Killer Games, which I have two of those, one opened, one on, well, I still haven't opened either of them, and all the expansion packs. Hey, we fit, why are we poor on the show? If you jumped on right then and there, it was an ad on the novel and you got um, an extra chapter and a foreword by George Mahalka that's not in 
the novels that you can still buy now and get the autographs. And then Armando kind of jumping off the My Bloody Valentine thing. He's gone on to do a Silent Night, Deadly Night novel. And there's a couple other ones that aren't coming to mind. God, I wish I could remember, but it all seems to be the kind of off the beaten path a little bit in the horror world. And also releasing February 14th, 2024, releasing Valentine's Day here real soon. What, a couple days after this episode, I think, airs from... American Mythology Productions, they are releasing a My Bloody Valentine comic. So if you are a comic fan, if you're a My Bloody Valentine fan and you haven't heard that news, go to your local comic shop, go to your local bookstore and ask them to put it on hold. See, I, I'm going to reach out to all the, the hyper-focused people. If you want something to really get into, this is it. Because like I said, even just... I watched all this stuff over the weekend. There is so much merch. There is so much. There is so much to intake because sometimes when you're really just, I mean, you guys know, you guys are hyper-focused. You guys get it. But you just want that tangible something or another where you can just like dig your fingers into it. And this this universe offers so much. And I'm so excited to 100% be poor in the near future because I just want to buy all of the things. Well, I think one of the nice things about collecting nowadays is you can grab, you don't have to spend hundreds of dollars. I mean, we grabbed the, here, I got a couple things. <laughs> My Bloody Valentine cassette. That's cute. The soundtrack on cassette. Brian loves me. Brian loves me. He got me one too. Where'd you get that from? It's from Terror Vision. Okay. I think it was 12 bucks maybe. So I need that. Uh, the thing that I've really been looking at that I want to figure out, and I do think think that it's from Waxworks, but I think that it's sold out on Waxworks is, and everyone knows I'm a vinyl girly. The thing that gets me on the vinyl is it's it's so gorgeous. It's just this close-up of the miner's face. It has a little heart on the mask. And then um, the vinyl itself is this gorgeous, like, pink mix. It's completely beautiful. That is my absolute, like, have-to-have-it sort of thing. Oh, my gosh. Clint is coming correct. He's already got the little sunglasses on with the hearts. <laughs> These are my heart sunglasses that I wore to the Valentine Bluffs fan film premiere. And then when I was uh, hanging out with the guys at their table at uh, Days of the Dead in Indianapolis last August, um, I had this heart sweater. I should have put that on for this recording. You can see the pictures if you go on my social media. But And so I'm walking around with Chuck as he's dressed up as the miner. And Lloyd Kaufman, who is in the fan film, was there. And I, I didn't get the opportunity, but he plays the mayor of Valentine Bluffs in that movie. Spoiler alert, he gets killed. And so I was walking around in these dress slacks and my heart sweater and this bow tie and everything. Or no, I had just like a pink tie. And I was going to walk up to him, to him and say, oh, I'm the new mayor of Valentine Bluffs. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Stop! We've completely strayed from talking about the movie. We are just in merchandise land now. They said, hey, by the way, just so you know, we're not doing any segments. We're not going to do this is why we're poor or anything like that. No, you have to do this is why we're poor if you're talking about my bloody Valentine. Because these two dudes, just to let you know, they're just slowly lifting up onto screen their little <laughs> trinkets. I don't know if you can see from the shine there. I'll show you sometime. But this is my family. And this was uh, our we were in the film. That's amazing. There's my goofy heart sweater. 
There's the goofy heart sweater. I will admit I saw the goofy heart sweater last night because I instantly went to, took to Instagram so I could uh, find more about Chuck Ryan and things like that and just trying to intake as much as possible. So uh, this is so funny. I love that. So this is why everyone's poor is my bloody Valentine, but we love it. So the original and the fan film are connected. The remake is just a, a remake and it is... Not layered like the original. There are some subtleties in the remake, but it is pretty much balls to the wall slasher gore. Friday the 13th, part five, almost gore. A naked lady with everything showing, running around the parking lot as she's getting chased. That had my jaw on the floor. She was just new. Like, I was like, okay, it's a sex scene, this and that. No, bitch gets a gun, bitch gets chased, bitch is hiding. All of that with her titties and her tata out, like everything is just out and about. And I was like, it's the horror movie experience, I guess. A midget gets killed in between her death and they're getting chased. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> How did they get away with this? It, it really did have my jaw on the floor. And I don't know if maybe that's why uh, I don't want to I don't want to talk down about like the slasher genre or anything like that but maybe that is part of the reason why it didn't take off the 09 version as well as they would have wanted it couldn't pull as many people in because some people are just going to get to that point they're just gonna be like what the what is happening what is going on (laughs) i was into it but not everyone's going to be into it i do think with the remake though because it came from such strong storied mythology or you know mythological subject matter it did with all of that sleaze and flash and skin and gore it still maintained a decent story and i thought it was told well and it had some good twists i do agree with that i don't want to detract from it at all because i 100 percent did enjoy it i i very much liked the 09 version i i know that for um when we were talking, like I said, the fan film is what made me want to get into it. You guys were saying like, oh, it's the 81 version and the fan film are tied. You don't really have to watch the 09, but I was very determined to watch it because because the Jensen Ackles kind of pulled me in. Also, it's it was cool. I know that it was released in theaters as a 3D film, and I've obviously lost the effect of that, not having the glasses, not having it on the big screen. I would give anything to be able to watch that film legit as a 3D movie in theater. I saw it when it came out. I'm completely jealous. The only part that I remember was, and I'm sure there was more sprinkled in the movie, but the only part I remember was it was during the credits at the end of the movie. Did you go see it in the theater, Brian? Ooh, I may have. I You can kind of see throughout the movie. A little bit, it's sprinkled, but all I really remember is, like I said, during the credits, the miner came out and was walking around the screen while the credits were rolling and like looking into the crowd and the light with the 3D glasses, it looked like he was right and he swung the pickaxe at you and stuff like that. So very gimmicky, but it was fun. It was very cool. There was a couple instances where um, the two that really stuck out to me was when Sarah, sweet Sarah, um, she crashed the car and then that whole tree went through the windshield and then it was kind of bobbing right in the screen. So that was one where I was like, oh, that would have been so cool to see. The other one though was that I forget who it was. Someone got their jaw ripped off. Someone got a pickaxe through the the bottom of their chin. And then I think it pulled and it threw the jaw towards the screen. That's the one. That's the one where I would give 
anything to be able to see that legit in theater. But maybe someday, maybe someday they'll bring it back. It's who knows? I'm just hoping. <laughs> I have heard scuttlebutt that George Mahalka might be mounting another push to get a legitimate sequel, not to detract from Valentine's Bluffs, but Valentine Bluffs, but it was a fan film. I'm talking about a legitimate studio sequel, which I know even the people, you know, the guys that made Valentine Bluffs would love to see just because they're fans. That's why it's called a fan film. Uh, we all would love to see that. Yeah, I remember two parts. There's a kill right at the beginning when Harry's going crazy and he puts a pickaxe through the guy's the back of his head and the eyeball pops out. And then towards the end, there's a shot fired in the bullet. You can see the bullet going. There you go. So you you would see that in 3D. Which that, where the, the pickaxe through the back of the head and the eyeball was homage to the original. Um, I forget the guy's name, but he was the bartender. Oh, the old guy that was always... Yeah, doing his warnings and stuff. Yeah. Heed my warning. The 14th draw draws near. You know, that's how he was killed later on in that movie. I did throughout my notes. Um, there's too many for me to sit here and try to read them or anything like that. Especially because I did want to watch all three of them close together. So I watched the first one on Friday and I watched the 09 and the fan film yesterday. So I wanted them really close. I wanted them to be close to recording because I wanted it to be fresh in my mind. And when you do a rapid fire watch like that, which I'm sure you guys have just talking as the person where it's my first time in taking it. I loved all of the homage that was paid, especially watching them back to back like that. You could really pick it out of being like, oh, this is to this. This is to that. You know, um, one of the things that was seen all throughout is when all of the minor suits were dropping and scaring the crap out of people. And but I will say I'm go out of the three films. My absolute favorite kill was in the 09 version. And that is when it's at the party. It's when he's going nuts and this chick is running up behind Harry and he takes the shovel and he plants it into her mouth, blasts it right through her skull into the wood, hits it even harder. And then her head just sinks down onto the shovel. It was so absolutely good. Spoiler alert. Go see it. Go watch it. You have to see it to believe it. It kind of reminded me of Ghost Ship, too. So that's why I really enjoyed that. See, that one to me was um, influenced by George Romero because a lot of that was shot, I believe, around Pittsburgh. And actually, if you go to the Living Dead Museum, which is at the Monroeville Mall in Monroeville, Mich or Michigan, I wish, <laughs> Monroeville, Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh, that's where the Monroeville Mall is where Dawn of the Dead was shot. That whole Living Dead Museum is all George Romero stuff. But there is a small section, which if you go through my social media, I got pictures next to it, of a case of some memorabilia, not much, from the 09 remake. And that scene with the shovel is very similar to a scene from Romero's Day of the Dead from 85. So I always wonder if that was influenced by that because it was from that area. Great, great kill. And it's probably more likely that it was a nod to Romero than being a, a nod to Ghost Ship. That's just one the thing that popped into my mind. But but that's the thing is that even with the 09 version, even with the titties and twat out, it was respectful. It was it paid so much good homage. You could tell that they really did respect what the story that they were given. And I think that they did a really good job of making it their own, making it a little bit, you know, of a cash grab with the 3D and stuff and working all of that in. But overall, it was a good movie. It, it's not needed for the whole universe, but it's not bad. It doesn't detract, I don't think. 
that was the one thing is I enjoyed the 3D bits in that movie, but it was almost like, hey, we're going to you know remake an 80s classic. Well, 80s classics, must they all had 3D. Well, My Bloody Valentine didn't from 1981. That Those 3D movies didn't come out till 83, 84, and even a little bit in 85. Um, so it kind of showed me that I felt that the film, or you know, probably the studio who made that decision is just a little out of touch with their audience. But still, yeah, a- another great film in the saga of My Bloody Valentine. But hands down, sorry to my Valentine Bluff boys. I'm, I know they don't give a shit because the best is the 1981 original. It hands down the best slasher. I'm sorry to cut you off, Brian, but you know, you, people think that Halloween's the best because it's so influential. Chainsaw Massacre is the best because it was everybody knows about it. My Bloody Valentine is the quintessential slasher film. And if Leah liked the gore and the blood and the kills in the 2009 one, you would want to go back and watch the original director's cut because it adds that layer of blood and guts. You see the kills where if you watch the one online, you don't see the one of the ones that always sticks out to me that gets cut is when the couple is in the storage area and, you know, he goes to get beer and the minor suits are all falling. Sylvia. That was Sylvia's death. I'm pretty sure. Harry picks her up to kill her and it kind of cuts. You don't see, you know, she's dead, but you don't see the actual kill. It like cuts right. There's added probably 30 seconds after that of her actual death and the blood that's involved in it. That was actually in my notes is that I didn't know what happened was that I put Sylvia attacked by clothes, actually a gnarly death. Did she get ran through on a shower head? I didn't know what happened. I know that they were kind of peering at it, but I was really confused at the time where I was like, that was so cool. The buildup was so great. I don't know what happened. And then I just assumed that I was ditzy and missed something or along those lines. No, that was one of that was one of the gore scenes that was cut. And of course, if you see the original footage, then you see a, a full shot of her with the shower head coming out of her mouth and her eyes are wide open. Obviously, she's dead and there's water pouring out of her mouth. And Yeah, she looks like one of those uh, water fountains, you know, where like the, the cherubs <laughs> spitting water. <laughs> Can I talk about my other absolute favorite part of the 81 version? This is something that I obsessed with the entire time throughout my notes. And it is... At first, I just called him Mustache Man, but Hollis is my favorite fucking character of all time. I don't even know why. I think at first it was just because he looks so like he's got this big mustache. He's got like a a navy cap on. He always is just telling it how it is, telling people to shut the fuck up. (laughs) And then his name is Hollis, and I absolutely adore adored him. He was so good. I did put in my notes that if Hollis died, that I was going to turn the whole movie off and quit. And uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, Hollis does unfortunately die, Uh, but I powered through. But Hollis was one of my favorite characters. I wrote a short segment where I was I mean, not in real life, obviously I'm not that weird, but like Hollis was my dad. I like interjected. I made a character for myself in that universe. I know this sounds way nerdy, but, and Hollis was my, was my father. Great character. It doesn't sound nerdy. It's not, but I, that does make, make me wonder is, um, are these supposed, because in the eighties they did this a lot. Are these supposed to be high school? Are they college kids? Are they adults? Like, no, no, they're they're adults. They're they're young adults. So they were all in their I mean, they're at the bar, you know, drinking. So they're all early twenties and yeah, just shop rats or mine rats. Yeah, I would imagine they're twenty two, twenty three, you know. Some a little younger, some a little older, you know, maybe Hollis is twenty five, he's been around the longest. You know, TJ left. Was that TJ? Yep. 
he left for a while, a couple of years, probably. I mean, his dad was the one that owned the mine and he left. That's why the main, you know, final girl was with the other guy. And that's maybe my only hang up with the original is. Blasphemy. The people that live are not the ones I want to live. The girl's fine, but I don't, I'm not a fan of TJ. He's just an asshole. But I don't need to be. I want Hollis to live again. He's my favorite character, too. I mean. Is he? That's so awesome. He was really good. I think that the. the Other than Harry Warden. Um. <laughs> I think the confusion with the um, the age of the characters is I was I was thinking it was going to be some freaking like Grease situation, you know, where you've got John Travolta old as shit, supposedly in high school. And so that's, I think, why I was getting lost. And it was the fact that they were all excited about a Valentine's dance. And so when I hear dance, I'm thinking school or something like that. But I also have to remember that um, it's a different time. It's a different time. I did have a couple notes in there where like there's a guy who is like he's snorting Coca-Cola through a straw, people doing the stupidest shit. And I was like, but these are the good old days, according to the older people. <laughs> but um, I did put in there. I haven't heard since TikTok came around anyone getting stuck in a fucking mind because they got bored in parties. So I'm just saying maybe the TikTok dances aren't so bad. Maybe it keeps the kids out the minds. Well, it was another reason and it add that the movie was so authentic because it did. It captured that really small Valentine Blusses, that small town that this stuff doesn't exist as much anymore because we're a global society now, you know, with the internet and everything. But it's that small town where you went to school and you grew up and you either worked the mine or you became the sheriff or you left town, you know, and that's what happened. And then just the generations keep turning. That 100% makes sense. When you have to think, it's not like they could go anywhere. From Valentine Bluffs. If you know where it was filmed and that film actually takes place there, you know, Valentine Bluffs is not a real place. It's way out east, almost in the middle of the fucking ocean off the edge of Canada. Where are you going to go from there? There's, you know, there's not really, especially in February, you wouldn't leave town to go anywhere because it might, you might get a fucking blizzard. You might not get home. So that, it was my only hang up about the original, but I dismiss it now because. me. No. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> was that it's February? It's in Canada. Where is the snow? You know, and people were dressed like it was chilly, but not cold. But then again, um, as of this recording, it is January 21st. Uh, what is it? I just looked ahead at the weather. February 2nd, it's going to be here in Michigan, 47 and sunny. I dismiss it. But that used to be one of my hangups. But, you know, we're not going to have any snow on Valentine's Day either. Let's go party at the mine. There is an old mill right round, right down the road from my house. It used to be a Ford dealership, or not a dealership, a Ford plant, like way back in the day. It's powered by river water power. I've been in there. It's kind of creepy. Let's go hang out. You guys wanted to go to a Valentine's party with me? I don't want to get killed. In the Indie Spotlight episode, you tried to get me to go skydiving with a cigarette and a fuck you in one hand, and now you want me to go to a mine party. Actually, you know what? If there is going to be a dude in a mask there, I'll, I'm in. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. Trying you to know help what? You. I'm going to find my Valentine. So far in 2024, I've been preaching this is the year of the experience. And goddamn it, I'm trying to provide for you guys. But you know what? Fine. Don't go. I don't care. No, you know what? I hesitated. I apologize. Don't tell him I did that. I'm going to go find my true love. I, <laughs> Harry, I'm coming for you. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I wonder if anybody listening hasn't seen these movies because if you haven't seen my bloody valentine or the remake or valentine bless a fan film 
I don't think we've really done much justice to talk you into go see it. I don't know. We've just kind of been fan. We've been fan girl and fanboying out on this stuff. Like I said earlier, it's very easy to fangirl about it. It's very easy to hyper focus on it. I am late to the party. I completely admit that. I now plan on making up for lost time. If you haven't gone to see it, if you haven't picked it up, just do it. Just do it. I, I, there's nothing I can say except it's got a fantastic story. It's got a fantastic villain. It's got a great premise around it. The kills are fabulous. Mabel in the first, we, I know I talked about the shovel being one of my favorite murder, murder, murders, murders. Mabel in the, uh, the 81 version is sick. It's fabulous. Also, if you really like, they didn't have the option for anything else. But if you like those old school special effects, this is it. Because my favorite part was Mabel's dead. Her chest is all fucking open. The sheriff just bare hand raw dogs the evidence and goes in there digging around for a valentine. It's fucking great. Like, you're going to laugh. You're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to scream. It's so good on so many levels. So there, I just sold it. I did it. You did. Nice job. You're also going to want to go to the bar and drink Moosehead beer. They didn't have money for gloves. It wasn't in the budget because they spent it on Valentine decorations. That was my, that was my <laughs> raw dog in the evidence. Just, just elbow deep down in Mabel. <laughs> Mabel was his girl too. Like imagine how hard that would be. He was very distraught. Oh, I'm glad you said that there was one scene with the sheriff. I forgot to mention it's towards the, um, the it's right before the sheriff realizes that the, the kids are at the party in the original 81 version and he steps out of the, the cop's office and there's the two stray dogs fighting over fucking a scrap of meat or something do you know what scene i'm talking about if you go back and watch that scene those dogs almost bit his ass you can tell by the way they are and his reaction to him he would jump back like oh shit it's for me it's like watching and brian knows it's like watching pro wrestling you're watching for when it's real and it was one of those moments where i was like that dude almost got his balls fucking ripped off by those dogs it's a great little scene there was another scene just talking about dogs it was when i forget what made him turn around but he turned around his vehicle and he's driving and some black dog just fucking zooms out towards him and starts falling. I got to the point where I thought the dog was either going to A, unfortunately get like nicked by the tire or something like that, or just jump up into the window. And I was like, there's no way that they had planned that where they're like, okay, specifically for this scene, we need to have a dog. We have to have, you know, this, that, and the other. No, that dog was just like, I'm part of this fucking movie. Now let's do this. And he just zoom in after that car. So the dogs in this movie were <laughs> Barrel. That was right there where him and the mayor, or no, I'm not him and the mayor. I was him and um, I forget Hanniger's first, the guy who owned the mine. They were riding and they got the first Valentine in the, the heart shaped box where it was a heart. And I think it was a heart of the blonde girl from the beginning who was down in the mine getting ready to get it on and gets stabbed. I think that's probably one of the better parts about the original too is it fit where it needed to. Like the guy that was the coroner was like, well, I think you got a fucking killer on your hands. And they're like, well, we're, we're waiting because it's the weekend. We can't get a hold of the people at the sane asylum where Harry was. And then they lost the records. And it's all stuff that in the 80s, in that time. Could happen. It all made sense. There wasn't anything that happened that didn't make sense. I can tell you something that didn't make fucking sense. Some guy died by fucking hot dog water. Did he what drown the fuck? Did he <laughs> choke on a dog? <laughs> I don't know. That was one where I was like, dude, drown by hot dog water. The disrespect. So that was the only thing where I was like, what is happening? 
happening? There's hot dog water. He's drowning. Did he not drown? Did he just get kind of burned? I see what you're saying, though. Everything. No, he died. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah. Died. <laughs> he died in a hot dog. You hold somebody under the water long enough, they're going to die, whether there's hot dogs in there or that not. That was the one murder that really <laughs> just fucking stuck with me was, dude, die- like, you're getting murdered, but it's by hot dog water. Good luck. Good luck with that obit. <laughs> I made an Inkmere's knockoff toy for that, and it was simply a hot dog. <laughs> And then when I promoted it, I promoted it with the Limp Biscuit song, the hot dog flavored water and the chocolate starfish. <laughs> it didn't take off. I think I sold one. You know, whatever. It wasn't a popular one. It was something that stuck out to me, but I, that was the one where, where I was like, all of these other ones make complete sense. Hot dog water. God damn. What more American way to die in a Canadian movie than drowning in a vat of hot dogs? That probably was their commentary on America. Stupid Americans. Here's your hot dog water. You know what's sad? I almost wasn't going to say this because I don't want to come under fire, but fuck it, I'm going to say it because I don't care. What's so sad about the world that we live in now is back then it was, it was, you live in Canada, the stereotype is you drink beer, you eat fucking pork and beans and hot dogs. Now, if someone goes back and watches that movie, they're going to be like, oh, is that some homoerotic death scene about him not coming out of the closet and getting drowned in hot dogs? You know what I mean? Oh. Like, I could see someone bringing that fucking point up and it infuriates me. And I, I say that it's kind of a joke to get a giggle, but it's serious. Like, no, the dude just is from Canada. He ate hot dogs and pork and beans and he got burned to death. Yeah, he died. I completely agree with that. So we've talked about the fun stuff. We've talked about the good stuff. We've talked about the misguided youth of today and how they could perceive stuff. Let's add one more fact. And then you guys want to go to a rating? Yeah. Yes. So I found out that the producers, when they wanted to make this film, the original, they wanted to cash in on the holiday slasher boom of the time. And once they settled on valentine's day that was going to be and they had valentine blood or i'm sorry my bloody valentine as a title they didn't want it to be copied so the working title of the film was the secret so no one from the outside knew oh they're making a film called my bloody valentine it's a valentine slasher let's hurry up and make one i think that's interesting because brian and jason and i have talked before about in 1981 you had friday the 13th part two you had my bloody valentine you had uh, evil dead and you had the burning Four fairly different films all came out around the same time within months of each other. And if you sit and watch those four films, you can see a lot of similarities from costuming to story to uh, locations. I had always wondered, were they stealing ideas from each other or were they influenced from each other? And that just, to me, that little fact there that they called it the secret kind of proved the point that, you know, everybody was coming up and taking ideas from each other. I think it's interesting. Like I said, I keep trying to think of the movie in the times of it being 1981, because these days when movies like the the best thing I can think of is like when the Ants movie came out and then there's also a Bug's Life. Like these days, you kind of always ha- there's always two films that are wildly similar, similar that are coming out at the same time. And so in 81, they probably weren't trying to do that. It's just widely accepted now in these days, even though it kind of sucks. I think that they were trying to be completely unique and whatever it is that's happening these days where people put out the similar films it was probably also happening then i love that they tried to keep it a secret i love that they tried to keep it elusive i also hate that now there's a band called my bloody valentine so every time i'm trying to find shit about this i find some (laughs) band that i don't know anything about they took their name from the movie i figured they're fans of the movie too and it goes hand in hand and i 
I don't know. I haven't listened to the music. I'm not going to talk shit about them. I don't know anything about them. But I was just like, what is what is this? What's happening? Especially when I'm trying to find my bloody Valentine records. No, you're in my way. Please move. I need to find more shit about the minor. It's going to be categorized as screamo. Okay, that makes sense. And maybe that's a uh, maybe that's a I'm not hip anymore old man term, but it's going to be yeah. Uh, oh, that's screamo music, but. That's what we called it back in the day. They got some decent songs. It's funny you bring up music, though, because what you're talking about is they all kind of, you know, come out with similar things. I always equated that theory about that to music. You know, in the 80s, you had hair metal. And then, of course, everybody just did hair metal. And then, you know, this the different and then rap came in and then grunge came in. And then you just have all the, the genres that everybody does the same thing. 50 bands that sound like Van Halen. What are we rating it? Should we have Leah go first? And since we put Leah on the spot, she maybe needs a second to gather her thoughts. Maybe we could hear from our podcast network, the PFPN, and that would give her some time to figure it out. I love more time to think. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, Clint here. Sorry to interrupt the show, but during our break for the PFPN, we just kept talking. So before we get to Leah's rating. Is it out of five? Out of ten. Okay. So if you did it out of five, you just double that and it'll be for ten. <laughs> Carry the two minus the one divided by four. Three, three, but five bloody hearts, six bloody hearts. This fucker is a bitch to, to dust, Clint. I can imagine you dust. Wow. Dust gets like in the ventricles and then the arteries. Gotta yeah. just get mm-hmm. that canned air. <laughs> Finley watched my bloody Valentine with me. And then I was like, look, look who I know. Look who I met. The miner in Chicago. I want to meet the miner so bad. Probably meet Chuck. You'll meet Chuck eventually. Did you tell Finley that like my friend, the miner says you better clean your room. Yeah. Or he's going <laughs> to send you a Valentine card. The miner is now kind of like the Santa of Valentine's Day, where it's like he knows if you're naughty or if you're nice. Chuck <laughs> <laughs> should do that. Plant one year. Yeah. You want a card from the miner? Send me five bucks, and I'll send you a picture of the miner, and I'll sign it. That's not a bad idea. I would one hundred percent. I I am absolutely feral for anything, Chuck Ryan. I would pay money for a picture assigned anything. I'll bring that up. I actually got to talk to him later today or early tomorrow. I need to have him put a. Uh, a straight jacket together for me. So. Tell him he has a new stalker. I will. <laughs> He'll eat it up too. 100% fangirl for Chuck Ryan. I was trying to find his Instagram and it looked like it was hard to find. Is he not on there? In the- it's under it's under Chuck Ryan cosplay. You'll actually like it because he does a lot of funny little, like he was doing one because he does a lot of different cosplays. And so there's like one he just did where he's dressed up as Jason shoveling snow, just stuff like that. I like that. But he just has a good vibe, I think, because I like cosplayers a lot, but it's a lot more than just putting on a fucking, like you said earlier, it's more than just putting on an overall suit. You have to really encompass that. And I felt like he absolutely did. And the thing that was amazing about the shit, we're... (laughs) 
you could tell that it was the minor, but it was someone else as the minor trying to encompass the minor because there was nuance to it where it's like, this isn't exactly Harry Warden, but it was close enough where it kept you guessing. But he, he encompassed it very well. And if you go back and watch the fan film, after you realize that it's Axel, I don't know if you caught because you're new to the franchise. But remember they have the scene at the end of the fan film where it's some guy in a basement with a hook hand and he's got the toolbox. I'm stupid. I don't know what the fuck. Okay, okay. I was. I got kind of lost. He's Axel. Because at the end of the original, Axel's hand gets ripped off in the rubble as he runs off. Got it. So at the end of the movie, Axel still lives. And then you see the miner still walking around town where he's like on the bridge right before it cuts to the music. And if you watch, Chuck was trying to drag his foot just a little bit because he's like... I'm Axel now, you know, so the rest of the movie, he was, he was Axel's kid trying to mimic Axel. And then at the end, he's like, I'm a different minor now. It's real subtle. And they didn't give it a lot of screen time to really explore that. But Okay. I did get a little bit confused at the end and I felt bad because I was like, I've watched three of these movies and now I don't know what the fuck is happening. The other thing that I need explained to me is the ring. Whose ring is it? The ring. They keep bringing up a ring. I keep, I thought I kept. Isn't there like a, like he has a ring at the end? It's gotta be. A Sarah's ring or something? I don't remember now. I have to go back and watch. I thought that there was a ring that I was like, that they kept alluding to or something like that, that I got kind of like, my note says, I'm lost about the ring. I remember seeing it, but I don't know who it belongs to. Because that's the only on In the fan film, maybe? Maybe. That was the fan film note. So it's at the very end of the fan film. If we go back to the original, Axel loses a hand. So was there a ring that maybe was passed on that they found in the rubble to his son? I wonder I wonder if it was his, because Axel's dad is the one who got killed by Harry Warden in the original when Axel was a kid. I wonder if it was his dad's ring. I'd have to go back and watch. Got you. That- I don't know. Well, and probably the coolest part is we keep saying Harry Warden, but Harry Warden only killed five people in the original. He ate them. Well, he killed two others after the fact. It's his lore. People are scared of Harry Warden. They're scared of this person that's we find out isn't even alive and hasn't been for five years. So it's it's that small town lore of, did you know, 20 years ago there was this accident and this lore's lived for, I mean, forever. Harry Warden in that in this universe became the name of the boogeyman. Absolutely. Well, and how we were talking about how My Bloody Valentine, you know, lends itself to so many other films. The one that automatically comes to mind when you talk about it in that way is Ghostface. Ghostface is an all-encompassing entity, but how many fucking people have been Ghostface? And it's the same thing, is that when you look at that mask, when you look at that outfit, when you think of those kills, it's always going to be, that's Ghostface. And it's the same exact thing where it was heavily influenced by that. I'm sure where, like you said, it's the name of the boogeyman, Harry Warden. I call I, I refer to him as the minor a lot just because it does have so many people behind the mask and this, that, and the other. It, he's bigger than what he ever imagined he could be. And it's fabulous. I love it. And like, I like how you uh, equated it to Ghostface because it is very much kind of like I said earlier, it's not some supernatural being. It's not some backwoods inbred monster. It is the dude you work with. Ghostface is the person that you don't know who it is, but you see him every day. You know, they're watching you. I mean, you know that, you stalker. <laughs> Chuck Ryan, I'm coming for you. <laughs> oh. No, don't put that in. 
<laughs> but even talking about the scream thing is that they did think that at first it almost seemed like he was supernatural because of them. Bi- Spoiler alert for scream, I guess. But um, but it almost seemed like he was a supernatural being because he would be in various places at different times, this, that and the other. But it just turned out that there were the two killers. It's the same thing with the minor. It almost does feel a little supernatural or something. No, it's just that there's multiple people taking on the legacy. And so now I'm finding all the correlations between Scream and how it was inspired by my bloody Valentine. It was inspired by a lot of different things. That's the whole fucking point of the movie. But it is interesting to see how it pulls from this movie from 1981 that needs a lot more hype behind it. So don't take this as uh, hype. Don't take this as I know something. None of this is leading to anything other than I just want to say as far as the fan film, there are ideas for a sequel. We love it. We love to hear it. There, it's it's not in pre-production. It's not being actively talked about. I just know that there are ideas for a sequel to the fan film. And it's funny when we were at the premiere after the movie showed, you know, Tom and Roland and Chuck had finally got there and they were all up, you know, on stage taking questions. And I, I, I can't remember if I asked the first question. I think I did. And I was like, when are we going to see a sequel? And Tom just looked at me like, uh, you know, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, I think it's that thing, though, where I, I've been joking about it, but the fact that this has made me so absolutely feral to want to take in more My Bloody Valentine merchandise, comics, novel, I'm gonna, we're gonna finish this podcast and I'm going to be going and just looking up absolutely everything I can. I already have a My Bloody Valentine Pinterest board happening. I think that it's one of those things where it's like, okay, if the mainstream media isn't going to give it to us, we're just gonna have to give it to ourselves because... I I know for me personally, I will intake everything that has to do with this story because it's a fabulous story. It's really freaking good. If they're not going to give us a sequel, we'll do it our damn selves. I'll I'll send you a link for an Ice Nine Kills video, animated video. The song's about my bloody Valentine. Corpse Grinder is one of the guest uh, vocalists. I love Ice Nine Kills. It's a whole animated video and it's, it's fucking phenomenal. Please, just the whole chat now is just gonna. I'll I'll send you some more uh, minor thirst traps. No, don't put that. <laughs> don't do that. So maybe not as exciting as unseen footage from the original 1981 My Bloody Valentine, but hell, at least we stayed on topic this time. All right, let's see if Leah has had enough time to calculate her rating. And now, on with the show. I'm going to I'm going to do it is separate and then I'm going to do it as the overall entity of it. I think that the original, the 81 version, see you guys are I'm going to give really high ratings if not tens across the board because I just very much enjoy it. I I enjoy everything about it. Sure there might be a little bit points where it's like, oh, this is silly or something along this. This made me laugh, but he's raw dog in the evidence. My bloody Valentine 81 it's darn near perfect. I, I mean, I'll give it like an eight, nine, the oh nine version actually surprisingly dragged a little bit more for me, which is weird. So for that one, maybe like a, a seven, eight or something like that. And then the fan film, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I liked them picking up the story where it left off. I felt like they added so much good homage to it. I felt like all the characters were really fabulous in it. Fan film, no way. 10 out of 10. You can't go wrong with it. And then for the overall thing, 
everything. Feral Girl, 10 out of 10. Loved it all. Leah's like, Oprah, this is going to be fun. You get a 10. You get a 10. Everybody gets a 10. I'm terrible because literally I'm so I'm a I'm a book girl. I read a lot and every single book that I read, I give it a five out of five. That's always my review because someone made the effort to make the story. I took the time. I read the story. Everything can always be improved upon. Everything can have its flaws here and there. But if I took it in and I enjoyed it and I'm happy about it, then five out of five, 10 out of 10, it's fine. But yeah, you get a 10, you get a 10. Everyone gets a 10. Clint, you get a 10. Brian, you get a 10. 10 out of 10. I didn't give them all 10s. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you want me to go next, Clint? Well, you, you have to after that. So I give the original a 10 out of 10. I mean, that's it's one of my favorite films of all time. It's one of my it's one of my top two horror movies of all time. You are not. We haven't talked about this outside of maybe Dream Warriors by Dokken. You are not going to find a better song in a horror movie than the Ballad of Harry Warden. It's so good. It's just not going to happen. And it's not happened since. And even even if you're not a fan of folk music, because it is a folk song, it's that acoustic guitar folk song, but it is fucking supposed to be because that is where they live. That's the time, that's the town, that's the everything. So it's a perfect fit. You know, and maybe that's one of the things that took it out of, you know, not doing so well at the box office. Because when we look at the box office, what do we look at? What did it do in America? People, American audiences are going to be like, oh, this, I like the movie, but it's got this awful song at the end, you know, like whatever. But yeah, it's to me... I would put this above Dawkins' Dream Warriors, but that's just my personal preference. This has got the best horror movie theme song out credits, and Clint always talks about that. You get to the end, and then the credits are like some song that has nothing to fucking do with the movie, and it kind of takes you out after, even if you've enjoyed a movie, you get to the end, and you're like, what the fuck does this have to do with this movie? They they did it absolutely right. It You sit through the credits just to hear the song. And you get to hear Harry Harry Warden's laugh. <laughs> the 2009, I enjoyed it. It's a, it's a blood splattered, nudity filled, midget killing 90s film, which is weird because then I felt like in the 90s we were backtracking. Like everything was that teeny bopper horror in the 90s and this wasn't. Um, but I gave it a seven out of ten, which is still a, it's a it was a good rating. And then the fan film, I give it a nine out of ten. I mean, there was stuff I liked. It's a fan film. I mean, it's there's stuff I like, stuff I didn't like. But you know, Clint's pictures in it, and both of our names are in it on lockers in the mine. So yeah, I have a bunch of merchandise. I have a signed script over here from the cast. I mean, I have a a heart signed by the miner. So. And we've been able to develop some really cool, you know, friendships because of that. So, I mean, we're we're a little uh, biased, I guess, when it comes to the fan film. But, I mean, as someone who's come in, I haven't met those people. I don't. It's very easy to fall in love, not just with this franchise, but with that fan film. They really put so much into it. And with what they had available to them, I think that they did an absolutely fabulous job. Yes, you guys have been part of this universe for a very long time. But as someone who's brand new to it, I completely get it. I completely understand why you guys are so into it. So I'm just tossing that out there so that people listening don't think like, oh, they're biased. They they did this. They funded it. It's their friends. No, as someone who is an outsider looking in on it, I completely understand the obsession. 100%. I think if people went, watched it, gave it a chance, they would be just as obsessed. So 10 out of 10 overall. My turn. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. 10 out of 10 out of 10 Even overall. Even if the second one or the remakes, the two, the original carries this. I mean. Absolutely. I'm going right there with you guys. The original is 10 out of 10 cups of hot dog flavored water. <laughs> 
it's it's a fucking masterpiece uh it's slasher 101 it's a great story but it's also very dramatic um it's well acted it's well paced it's authentic it's it is fucking perfection bottom line the remake 2009 did not hate it if it is on i'm going to stop everything i'm doing and i'm going to watch it but i'm not going to actively sit down to seek out to watch this film this is a spoiler too is um this is the second episode I've ever recorded on this show where I did not watch any of these movies as a refresher. And that's just, that's how much of a fan I am of this franchise is I didn't have to. I looked up a couple facts on the internet movie database and learned a couple new things. But I mean, as far as going over the movie, I know it. The remake's great. If it's on, I'll watch it. But it was missing something. I don't quite know what. But I enjoyed what it brought with the gore and the skin that the original didn't have. But I felt it also kind of cheapened it. So I'm going 8 out of 10 on the remake. And we're going to go 8 out of 10 personalities. If you've seen the remake, then you kind of know what I'm getting at. If you haven't, well, then go watch it and figure out what the fuck it is I'm talking about. The fan film. This one's really tough. Really tough for me to keep myself distance from because there are a lot of people involved in the making of that film that were way more involved than me, but I was fairly heavily involved, made some great friendships. I love the story and how it picked up and continued. It was a great story. I do wish that they, it's a fan film, but I wish they had uh, a little bit higher production quality and they didn't because of the funds. If I were to remove myself completely, I would give the fan film a seven out of 10 drill through the lover's bodies. (laughs) But I have to give it a little bit higher rating because I'm aware of the budget restrictions. Because if you guys, listeners, go back and listen to, we sat down with the director and Chuck Ryan, who played the minor in that film a while back on the Valentine Bluffs, was episode 40, I think, or something, 39 or 40. And um, you can get an in-depth backstory of the making of that film. They faced a lot of challenges. And there are a lot of things that they dealt with. That movie should have never got made but they pushed through. So knowing that as well, I have to give it a higher score. So yeah, I, if I was removed, I would give it a seven out of 10. This is that what I said? Seven out of 10, right? Drill through the lover's bodies, drill bit. Um, but I'm going to bump it up to an eight and a half, nine, just because of those elements. And I also feel my ratings a lot of times tie into also is how influential is this project. You know, like Halloween is not my favorite film, but I love it and it's very influential. So it's going to get rated high. It's up there on the list just because of its its influential. And I feel that the fan film is instrumental in continuing the torch for legitimate stuff. Continuing. It's the whole reason that Gutter Garbs has a sign out now for sale that Fright Rags put out those, you know, trading cards. Uh, so yeah, those are my ratings. Overall, I don't know how you average stuff. I'm not a fucking math guy, but I'll just go 10 out of 10 out of the series too because the 14th is drawing near and I don't want Harry Warden to fucking shove a pack, pack axe, a pickaxe and through my heart. I'm so scared I can't even talk about it. 10 out of 10. Episode 40 was the one where we had Tom and Chuck on. So you can go back and listen to that. After you listen to this, you can go back and listen to that. That's what I'm going to do. And then you can go watch... Yeah, watch Valentine Bluff or watch it in between and then listen. I did. I watched both movies. I watched the remake and the, the original. I did not watch the Valentine Bluff film. So that's now that's on my watch list for this week. The one that was free to watch on YouTube, you didn't watch? Well, I watched them all for free because I have them in, oh, okay. in my, uh, I don't know, some digital shit somewhere. My Bloody Valentine, the original, is not streaming anywhere right now for free. So I had to pull it off the shelf and watch it if I wouldn't have had it in my digital 
I ended up getting both of mine from Voodoo. I'm a big uh, proponent of Voodoo. That's where I have a lot of my movies at. And that's where I ended up getting that one from. They had the 81 version and the 09 version available. So if anyone's struggling to find them, Voodoo is, which is like owned by Fandango now, is a completely possible thing. Um, I'm really curious about the uncut version, though, that you guys keep talking about with the director stuff. So we're uh, going to have to figure out something i'm gonna have to rent it or something from brian's uh video store for my video yeah store. <laughs> if you could yeah. just netflix send that to me in an envelope i'll send it back i promise <laughs> oh so now that we've spoke about all things harry warden and my bloody valentine don't forget to like and subscribe to i like spooky horror podcast wherever you get your podcast check out mishmash with our friend leah stalker from pure macabre hey check out hey <laughs> She'll be making new uh, content called Thirst Trap Thursdays. That'll be coming soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's like, you just gave me an idea. <laughs> I saw the light bulb go off over her head. Yeah. Pure Macabre right now is just going to be a Harry Warden Thirst Trap <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> She'll be looking for mines in Michigan. Where's her mine clothes? Oh, no. I'm trapped in a mine. It'd be terrible if someone stuck me with a pickaxe. <laughs> My spot out there at the stagecoach in the Nugget has an, an actual mine facade. It's pretty cool. Oh, Valentine pictures with Harry Warden coming. The wheels are turning. It's amongst the plans. What else do we have? Indie Spotlight, the third Tuesday of the month. I haven't done Spill the Guts in so long, and I'm going to bring it. I'm going to resurrect it, but I cannot tell you when, so we're just going to stop referring to Spill the Guts. That's what I'm going to rename the show. Sometimes Clint does news. <laughs> just in that voice, too. Yeah, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like pigs in space from the Muppets, you know. We got appendages with your crack on Redbox streaming, free streaming movies. I think that's it. Is that it? The Spookyverse. Uh, yeah, the whole damn thing. And have a good Valentine Day. Maybe maybe uh, Harry will come visit you. Harry hasn't had a good meal since 1981 down in the mine. I hear he's hungry. And I just want to take a moment to thank you both for having me on the main feature episode of the I Like It Spooky Horror podcast. I'm very excited to be here. Always fun when I get to sit and gab about movies with you guys. So it was super fun. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Well, here's what I'm going to say closing the show out for my goodbye. And that is I have learned recently that Valentine's Day or not, don't take your loved one for granted. Hold them close, keep them, celebrate them, even if you don't think it's important, and even if you're actually going to fucking murder them and bury them in the mine. They call me Now I'm scared. This whole fucking town is going to die. We're coming back, you bastards. <laughs> Sarah, be my bloody Valentine. <laughs> Daddy, gone away. Harry Warden made you Hey, what's wrong with you, man? Show some fucking respect for the dead, will ya?